Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. So fantastic to have you on board. So thanks for tuning in. Today's a fantastic episode. If you're thinking about how you can pivot your career in the hospitality industry, this chat I had with David J. Burns is just an absolute fantastic conversation. I think you're going to really get a lot out of it. So let's get into today's show. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. I'm your host, as always, Sean DeVries. Thank you for spending some time with me on this uh, morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you are listening to this. As we, uh, as we open up the podcast to so many different types of people in 2020, it's, it's a real blessing to have David Burns from DJB Food Consulting Group on the line. Hey, David, how are you? Um, well, Sean, and uh, great to be here. So thanks so much for, for being on. Uh, when we connected up uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was really excited to see your history in uh, the food and hospitality industry uh, from so many different sectors, and that's why I thought it would be really pertinent to have you on because I know that your career is going to have so many different uh, different amazing connections that people can really uh, take home and and, and really work with, with their career. So where did you actually start out in the hospitality career yourself? Yeah, well, I grew up uh, in on the south coast of England and a little town called mm-hmm. Eastbourne. And after after my schooling, I, um, I got straight into uh, a diploma of hospitality for two years. I, I grew up um, with a family that loved cooking. I loved food. Uh, we had a, mm-hmm. big, a big backyard with lots of fresh produce and I was into fishing and catching prawns and it was just, uh, you know, it's just really what I wanted to do. And I must say a big part of the reason for my selecting my career was also travel. I just loved to travel and, um, and obviously the hospitality industry is a, is a key vehicle for that. And, um, and, and yeah, here I am. <laughs> so David, obviously you've had, you've had such a great career and when, when I initially reached, uh, when you reached out to me and we had a chat about you being on the podcast, I, I was just really excited because you've had such a dynamic career over so many different brands. Now, how did you actually start your career journey coming out of England? Yeah, well, I, um, I went straight out of um, hospitality uh, uh, study straight into a big hotel in uh, in. in the big Cavendish, mm-hmm. Cavendish Hotel on the Eastbourne Seafront there, and then yep. I, and then I just got the travel bug. I um, spent some time in Portugal, twelve months in yep. Portugal. I worked in France, and um, and then the next next stop is uh, you know Australia, which I came to Australia on a six month working visa, which was over thirty years ago now, and. Yep. Uh, Again, went up and down the up and down the east coast. Spent some time in the Whit Sundays and some some good uh, some good haunches in Melbourne. had a had a great time and mm-hmm. uh, carved out a great career. And then it was 1995 when I had this at the time was a bizarre opportunity to join Coles Supermarkets. Yeah, as a uh, actually in the capacity as as a chef, we were actually cooking and blast chilling in store. Believe it or not. Um, really? Yeah, 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 and and serving all meals in the deli there, and then that that naturally progressed to develop that concept with suppliers, uh, head office, and uh, and and there began the beginning of the sort of the chilled meals era, which was just was twenty five years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, which wow, amazing. What? And then there was the beginning of the era of the bag fresh produce, 
um, and marinated meats and value-added poultry and so on and so forth. And, um, yeah, I just had a – and that function was part of the buying team for the delicatessen and the bakery. So wow. I remember looking over at the buyers and chatting to the buyers, thinking they were sort of demigods and, you know, quite quickly realised that, you know, I could do that too. Um, yes. And, and, um, and morphed into the buying ranks quite quickly. So I was a buyer in the deli for Coles. Wow. And then my last three years at Coles, I ran the in-store bakery business for Coles. Um, so a lot of fun. Uh, so 10 years in total and great, you know, great trajectory of personal and, and professional growth and, and a lot of fun at the same time. David, what? When, let's talk, let's just start from the start of that journey with Coles. Like, so in 1995, you know, what was the supermarket landscape like at that point in Australia that led them to want to make those initiatives installed? Because what you've just explained is like a massive capex cost and risk for Coles to do, um, doing those blast chilling and, and those kind of things and ready meals. Like what what actually led to that happening? Do you, yeah. do you recall? Yeah, there's a gentleman, the state manager of Victoria at the time called Laurie Giuseppini, who was uh, a very entrepreneurial uh, gentleman and, you know, he wanted to really sort of step out and, and try something different and, and get that sort of food expertise into the, into the Coles stores to not only, you know, produce some, some cool product for consumers to take home and eat at lunchtime, but also, uh, you know, to help with advice, um, you know, over the deli counter. And it was, you know, it was obviously what well, it was not a scalable concept, but what was apparent was there was clearly – an opportunity for a significantly better offer in the cold supermarket around this meals, particularly the take-home meals sector. So, uh, so then you know, logical decision was to bring that expertise into the centre and work with suppliers to develop that offer. Yeah, was was that something that he was seeing from overseas as being? Uh, been a trend or anything like that, or was yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, like Whole Foods in the US, enormous now. They're in London as well. Um, yes. you know, people, you know, people are coming to a supermarket today is no different to, uh, you know, big, a big mission of, uh, supermarket shopping is dinner. Um, yes. that's no surprise. Yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, even 25 years on, there's still an enormous opportunity for that whole dinner mission and, you know, get, get everything for dinner in one location instead of all over the supermarket. And, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it was, uh, it was, you know, at that time, arguably ahead of its time, but, you know, in some, in some ways not. Yeah. Do you think, do you think in some ways not, it, it was just the, the market wasn't fully ready for it yet, like it is now? Like, I think consumers are constantly told, um, in this environment we live in 2020 that they're constantly busy so therefore they have this they have this mindset that they need to save time across the board oh look i think i think convenience today is is, is a significant um, a bigger bigger thing than it was 25 years ago mm. so i think people are significantly more time poor and yeah it was arguably ahead of its time but i think over the, over the years you know i think you've seen more you know, prepared meal type solutions coming into the market, um, and you know, Woolies and Coles in particular opening up on those areas. And yep. um, I think it, I think it's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. So you know, early two thousands, you've you've left Coles. Like, what what happened after that? Yeah. Well, again, this is you know where you know when I when I talk to people about 
you know, diversifying from, you know, the hospitality industry. This is, you know, I talk to people about, you know, stepping stones and, you know, so 10 years at Coles and then I had this great opportunity to join BP Australia in the convenience game and um, develop the food offer for, for BP. So I think I was one of the first, you know, retail people to come into an oil company and their vision was to become a serious retailer from, you know, an oil company legacy. Um, yeah. And we developed the food offer, which now is is the Wellbeing Cafe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. The first one was uh, down at Seaford uh, uh, in Rye there on Christmas Eve 2004. Um, right. And look, the Great mission, to open. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's I think there's 150 or 170 or so now. So it's been a great story. And for BP at the time, it was all about differentiating through. Real coffee on the go, you know, lots of the other players have the sort of push-button coffee, so we had the, mm-hmm. you know, the full barista training and, you know, good quality food offer and, and built built a great business um, over, you know, quite a short period of time. And then I and then I went on to lead the merchandise team uh, for BP and um, had some operational project roles helping uh, the, with the full sort of retail transformation over as between 2003 and 2010. So I guess, um, you know, I went from hospitality into Coles as sort of with that background and learned a bucket load of new stuff, which then enabled me to take another stepping stone to build a food business in a, in a retail setting. So the you know, the attractiveness for BP with me at the time was I had a hospitality background, I knew food, and I had a, you know, sort of best-in-class retail experience as well. And, and um, you know, happy days for me, but you sort of create your own luck mm. at the same time, don't you? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other the other thing that's really interesting with the two the two brands you just talked about and the, and the concepts is that they were really first to market. Like and yeah, and you were really pioneering some really new ideas at the time. Like you, you're talking about full barista style coffee in a in a um, in a petrol station. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was like we take that for granted now as being being the thing with you know brands like Foodery and 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 that kind of stuff popping up, and even BP's new alliance with David Jones and yes, and that kind of thing in Australia, like. But in you know the early two thousands, like yeah, people still couldn't get their head around McCafe. I mean, like it was that's right. Like, you've done some like there's some amazing um, first in first in class stuff that you've done, Dave. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't uh, you know I don't take it lightly. I feel very grateful to have uh, have the opportunity and you know to have um, have the experience to you know I guess stay in the food industry but diversify within the industry and. Um, Yes, yeah, and what I love when I look back on you know my Coles and and BP is that both those areas I was involved in has really evolved into you know something even bigger and better you know evolving from where I left off. So it's sort of, it's just uh, you know pass on the baton as well, which is which is always yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, and change it again. Yeah. I was I was just going to ask you if I can, like you know we're talking we're talking um, mid nineties, mid early two thousands, and. We often take for granted, I think, um, uh, facets like LinkedIn, which can connect people so easily in business now, and that's obviously how we connected yeah. as well for this podcast. Now, how did how did those roles sort of come about? Was that was that new knowing people within the market? I mean, you're talking about new concepts, which I'm sure those two particular brands didn't want to sort of be out in the periphery for their competitors to know what they were thinking. Like, no, how did, I, the, how did I, that come about? No, I remember it vividly. I remember 
vividly, I saw an ad in the Age for the sh- uh, the the role at Coles, and that, that yeah. initially was yeah. for it was the South Richmond store on Swan Street, which is now a dark mm-hmm. store for picking and packing, and the stores now where Dimmies used to be. I'm not sure if you know that area, but. Oh, yes, so that was, you yep. know, and I do remember quite vividly people saying to me, well, why would you want to do that? And um, that's just not going to work and oh, you're wasting your time and you're going to derail your career and all this sort of stuff. But, I, yeah. you know, I, I'm very visionary and I, I just sense that, you know, it's an obvious uh, opportunity and if I played my cards right, um, you know, what I thought could transpire did transpire. Uh, and then yeah. later on, so back, so then 2003, end of 2003, I saw another ad for, um, uh, I think it was in The Age again, and it was an executive search firm, you know, advertising in The Age, which is sort yep. of how you found jobs, you know, even back then. And, yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously bucket load of interest, a few rounds, and then uh, and then that was, the, that was the BP opportunity. So, yeah, as you say, very, very different today. I was going to talk later on about the whole networking opportunity, but, um, yeah, that, you know, a couple of, a couple of lucky breaks, no doubt about it. But as I said, you know, you sort of um, you create your own luck, don't you? <laughs> oh, you most definitely create your own luck. You're, um, in, especially in new concepts where I've been involved in. I'm sure you will attest to this as well. You you quickly found out if things don't go well at the start, yeah, and uh, and you're not around very long if if they don't work, unfortunately. No, well, that's right. So, Correct. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how did talk about wild being for a second, like, you know, with so many locations and doing that first location on Christmas Eve, like how did how were you able to with that team communicate to customers what the offer was and why it was better in, in the market at that point? Yeah, look, I, well the anchor was absolutely the coffee. Um it yeah. was very, very strong marketing around the origins of the coffee beans and we have baristas and we have barista competition every year. And we, you wow. know, we foam our milk and we have crema on the on on the top of the coffee, and it's um, a good a cup of coffee as you would get at you know Hudson's or Gloria Jeans at the time. And yes. there was uh, above the line, you know, TVCs that were produced, um, you know, and and I think that was that was the absolute anchor. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 strategy was premium coffee and premium fuel. And and BP, yep. you know, it's quite funny. We used to say, you know, BP uh, is like the David Jones of uh, of that industry. Uh, BP is mm-hmm. that of, of the convenience industry, and now they're working together, which is quite funny. Um, yeah, it is quite. Funny. So marriage yeah. made in heaven there for sure. But yeah, it was really yeah. all about the coffee and the look and feel as you walked in. You know, nice sort of earthy look and feel, similar to what you know. Remember the Hudson sort of look and feel, um, looking very different to what you might ordinarily find in a convenience store. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Was it um, was it hard at the start to try and get um, baristas to actually work in essentially a convenience store petrol station, or, well, or was it something you guys were growing growing internally and sort of using that to sort of just grow the team? Well, it's interesting. I think there was definitely, you know, an internal battle around um, how the hell are we going to do this and, you know, mm. um, operationally it's too complex um, and we ended up um, obviously getting that over the line. Well, I think internally within the four walls of the store, I think it's quite exciting for the teams, um, you know, really sort of breaking the tradition of, you know, the normal activity that would be expected of, you know, staff in a convenience store. So a very robust training program to train as many people as we could to make great coffee because it's, you know, it's not it's not 
straightforward. It's not 100% straightforward. Um, yep. And then there was a Brewster competition, Brewster of the Year competition every year that started off in stores. There'd be the winner of a store, then the winner of an area, and then a, a huge gala dinner every year celebrating the Brewster of the Year. And so that added a lot of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well. You know, so it was, um, and look, it's still the same today. I think I think the coffee is arguably even better than it was. So we're talking 15 years ago now, and um, yeah, yeah, and they talk. You know, the guys talk a lot about the origins, and they have different coffee beans, so you can choose your own coffee bean, and it's just evolved to. You know, it's all about differentiating in the market, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially, especially with that premium offer at the top, it's um, can sometimes be hard to communicate. But um, but obviously, at over 150 sites, you, you know, at that time, you obviously communicated extremely well, which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Obviously, you did, you did an amazing little stint at, at BP Wellbeing, and what did you do after that? Well, it's funny because um, I don't even know you know this, but I had a uh, a hiatus out of uh, out of food, and and this is where yeah, right. the, the diversification gets yeah. even more bizarre because you know the principles of retail um, are the principles of retail regardless of the the offer, right? So I I spent four years with uh, Repco Auto Parts, funnily enough. Yeah, right. um, And the vision there was they wanted to have someone come in who had a very strong, um, you know, retail experience because, you know, Repco is traditionally a trade business servicing car parts out the back door to workshops so that when you get your car serviced. um, But they also uh, had a vision of building a very strong retail business out the front. So when, you know, Mrs. Jones came in to buy her windscreen wipers for Father's Day, um, you you know, it was all in check. And, I think we doubled the profitability uh, over four years. Um, an amazing journey, and as I said, you know, same principles, um, different industry, um, but that was a lot of fun and games as well. How did you? What what sort of led you to do that? Did you just feel that you had you just had got to a point where you just wanted to see what was on the other side, you know, and, and just wanted a bit of a break from food or? Yeah, look, I think right it's right place, right time. I look, I think it was just, you know, well, so prior the couple of years prior to that, I was running the the merchandise team, which was obviously still the wild bean was part of that, but was really getting yes. into the grocery side of life and yeah. And so it was a very easy transition and it was a big opportunity. Um and I just thought it felt right at the time and it absolutely was. And yep. my uh, my family have an olive farm up at uh, Emerald here in Victoria, so still Amazing. still still involved um, in the food industry, sort of behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, it was it was great fun, and um, you know I think it just adds another string to the bow. Lots of different experiences, um, you know, leading big teams in particular. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. So you've obviously had that four years in Repco. You've done a great job. You've you've boosted profitability. You know, cut your teeth in another another kind of industry. What did you What did you do after that? Yeah, I was commuting up and down from Melbourne to Sydney uh, with Metcash, which is a big, uh, you know, the food and yep. grocery grocery supporting yep. uh, supporting the independent grocers of Australia for uh, for twelve months, and then almost four years ago now, what I thought was going to be in between, excuse me, <clears throat> corporate roles. I joined. Uh, I, I started my own uh, my own uh, business. Mm-hmm. Uh, working initially with um, sort of a few small to medium food and beverage brands with their holistic strategy, uh, yep. their branding, positioning, and sales and distribution, 
and then that just sort of grew grew into you know something that was really really quite enjoyable um taking some of these brands into some of the asian hubs um i have a couple of partners in the uk now as well who who um who sort of look after things in the uk with Mm-hmm. Australian brands that go over there, and then yep. um, I, I, I did a couple of other projects. I worked with the uh, the Pie Face uh, team at United Petroleum oh, yeah. earlier yep. earlier last year, and mm-hmm. some work with um, Price Waterhouse Coopers with their Food and Ag team and their Mergers and Acquisitions team. So like supremely diverse, um, mm-hmm. getting into some um, work around future future trends in food as well, which I love. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just been uh, it's just been amazing, really. And to feel you know, it's just kind of you know, after the sort of career I've described to you, it's sort of the, you know the pinnacle to be uh, to be doing your own thing and enjoying it, and you know, sort of you know, I guess reasonably good reputation in the industry. Um, of course. And uh, yeah, having a lot of fun at the same time. What What do you find? What do you find? One of the best things is with working for yourself and having your own food consultation brand. Do you think? Yeah, look, I think um, well, it's definitely the freedom. I mean, the, the, the yes. first reason you you go into business for yourself um, is uh, it's not about the dough; it's about the freedom, mm. right? And, and mm. what what does freedom mean? Um, well, you do have bosses because your clients are bosses. So I wouldn't say yes. you don't have a boss because that's not true. But I mm-hmm. think um, you know you've got full autonomy. Uh, you know, there are there are there are downsides as well, but the upsides are definitely the freedom. Um, you know the challenges are it can be a bit lonely sometimes, especially when you've led you've yep. led enormous teams, um, mm-hmm. and you know really enjoyed the team dynamic. So there's only you know a couple mm-hmm. of us, couple of guys work with me here, um, but you know you never know uh, you never know what's around the corner, mate. Never say never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. I was gonna I was gonna ask you, David. Like, obviously, with so many different so many different roles and different you know a couple of different industries. Like, how have you found when we talk about diversification now? Like, how did how did you find that you got yourself in the right position at the right time? Like, it, was it a, a, a learned behaviour to make sure that you were putting yourself in the face of the right people, or yeah. how, did those, how did those situations happen? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I've got there's a few tips here that I'll rattle off that I did have yeah, a bit please. of a think about. So, um, first of all, I wanted to say, you know, I love the hospitality industry, and people in the hospitality industry listening to this podcast, I don't want them to be thinking that, you know, the hospitality industry isn't a great industry because it's amazing, because I wouldn't be doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing today if I didn't start my career you know, as a chef by trade in the hot, you know, smoking kitchens of Europe. Um, So number one. Number two, I think I would say to people, you know, I was really good at being very clear on the path I wanted to take. And, you know, I think it's very it's very easy in the hospitality industry because it's so hard work and it's relentless that, you 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 know, you're in it and then you go to, you know, you crash out at night and there's not a lot of time to think about, you know, what is it that you really want to do? What do you want your path, you know, to be? Um, yeah, and and I think you know the other thing I'd recommend within that is you know getting a mentor. You know what does that mean? It can be anyone that you respect in the in the business world um, to bounce things, ideas off, and help you because it's bloody hard to try and unravel what that might be yourself. Um, yes, and then I would say you know, and again, this is not easy for most people. Is be very clear on you know what your strengths are. So don't worry about what your sort of challenges are or what your weaknesses are, you're always going to leverage, 
the best career possible by leveraging your strengths and everyone has strengths. So whether you're, you know, are you, are you creative minded or not? Are you, you know, they say you're right or left brain for me, I'm supremely right brained. I'm, I'm very creative. Um, and I love innovating and I'm always kind of out there looking for the, the new idea. And then I guess, you know, so within the realm of the food industry, whether it be hospitality or manufacturing, um, there's, you know, sales and marketing, sort of the front end, if you like, and then the back mm. end, so the supply chain, buying, logistics, administration, or the analytical world and big data now, so consumer trend data, scan data, market data. And then there's the technical side of the industry around product development and food technology manufacturing. So these are the sort of the big buckets of of areas within the food industry that you you can get into and i i just think you know people who are in hospitality probably don't you just got this myopic view of what you're doing and it's just mm, very hard to see the sort of trees from the forests if you know what i mean um a couple more i'd say you know really be you know consciously open to removing yourself from your comfort zone you know mm-hmm. overcoming those fears whatever they might be and you know we all have them and and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something and don't get pigeonholed because I remember very clearly my early days at Coles I had, you know, senior executive Coles person say to me, you know, you'll never, you'll never be a buyer when I first sussed out that I thought I might be able to be a buyer. So, so I know I had someone say that's not going to happen and I've sort of thought to myself, well, just watch this. So, you know, yes. really, you know, self-belief, confidence, and if you think you can do something, then you probably can, and if you doubt you can, then you're probably right. So um, positive mindset and, you know, your mindset determines your outcomes, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it most definitely does, Dave. Like, it's it's quite interesting. You've talked about so many different um, great pathways for people. I think a lot of the people that listen to this, um, I know either business owners, franchise owners, um, they work in the industry, you know, they've started off in small hospitality businesses and hopefully grown it. The The challenge that we have as an industry is to um, uh, capture that talent um, and make sure it can actually diversify and grow within different sectors of it. And I, and it's, and it's a really like, it's a, I find it's a, probably a really hard thing because a lot of those people are quite creative uh, within the hospitality industry, which is why it's so strong, yeah. but often then they can't see, you know, the wood from the trees, as you said, and they and they can't see the the um, the other the other opportunities that can be with other brands or you know with other bosses and and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 always been a a challenge for me when I've had really good talent in front of me to actually guide them into where they need to where they actually need to go and for them to believe that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I think that's a really good point. And just to add to that, I would say, you know, one thing I've learned as recently as the last, you know, three years in particular is the, this whole mm. this whole new opportunity around networking, not only with obviously LinkedIn, which is amazing, um, yes. but literally getting in front of people, going to events, you know, getting face-to-face with the people who you can talk to and, you know, illustrate to them, you know, what you're doing and what you can do. And, you know, regardless of what you're doing in hospitality, you should be talking to the right people about, you know, not only what you physically do on a day-to-day, but, you know, learn about 
the performance of the, the the business that you're in, and you know talk about the performance improvements and how many buns on chairs you get in versus this time last year or whatever it is you can muster up. Because ultimately, mm. you you progress your career through providing evidence of you know the results you've achieved so far. Right? It's 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 simple. Most definitely, as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I always I think it's very important. Also, I heard this. A while back, and I loved it, and it is true. And it's you know always give ten percent more than what's expected. It sounds so, like yes. it sounds like such a sort of cheesy thing to say, but you know I think it's really important to uh, you know really go over and above in what you're doing, and you know ultimately create those opportunities for yourself. And you know ask yourself continually how do I how do I stand out? How do I create an opportunity for me in the marketplace that um, I can see is there? Um, and just uh, put your foot down and, and go for gold. Yeah. Do you think, like we talked, you talked about mentorship before. Like, if if someone's sort of in their early to mid twenties, they've been in the hospitality industry for the last four or five years. They're doing quite well. Maybe they're managing or supervising a venue, uh, and they know they want to take sort of that next step. But you know, they're not in a situation to do so. But they know they need some guidance. Like. Where do you where do you think they can find that particular mentor, David? If it's not, you know, their kind of immediate line boss or or GM. It's a really, it's a bloody good question. I think um, so. That comes back to the networking thing, I guess. And I think, uh, yeah. I think, you know, obviously, someone of that ilk that you said, sort of mid twenties or late twenties or whatever, you need to know where to go for a start. Um, I think. Yes. Um, I think it is really someone who's probably in the industry is obviously, you know, 20 years older at least and mm-hmm. it's literally a matter of identifying who they are and reaching out to them. I mean, most people yeah. I've met and I've spoken to, including my good self, are more than happy to talk to anyone about anything, anytime. Um, totally. And often it can be half a conversation for 15 minutes and, and three light bulbs go off and you think, shit, that's a great idea. So. We're, when we talk mentorship, we're not talking like mammoth meetings weekly or anything like that. It's literally, uh, mm. you know, quick fire, quick fire chats. And I would suggest to anyone listening is um, if you haven't got a LinkedIn account, get a LinkedIn account. Spend a lot of time just looking and linking in with yes. people. Um, yep. You can search by organisation, by role, by person, and you'll soon find out who to who to chat to. Yeah, and I think the, I think the point is just offering value. Um, to people rather than anything else will will uh, at least start a conversation with someone on on a platform like LinkedIn so I think that's really really important definitely um, yeah the only the only reason I asked that is I was I was fortunate enough with my first um, first boss in the industry to, to have you know to have a mentor who I still talk to on a regular basis today and we will often share uh, funny jokes and just talk to each other about where each other's at you know sort of 25 years on. And um, and because I, I was part of a franchise business quite early, I was lucky enough to have um, other franchise partners, you know, around me who became mentors because I, I got to listen to their stories and their challenges and their wins and 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 that kind of stuff. And I think I often personally take that for granted. And and I think if you're absolutely hundred percent, you know, about LinkedIn now, it's just so powerful. But like. Often I think, uh, you know, a lot of hospitality people, the reason they're in hospitality is because, you know, they love doing what they do every day, which means they also visit a lot of other people's venues and see what's new. Yeah. And I think uh, quite a good hack, um, potentially if you're not in a big corporate corporate role or, or that kind of stuff where there's a lot of other um, 
older uh, line managers who have great experience like yourself, David, is probably just those venues you like going to and, and talking to, Definitely. you know, the, talking to the GM, talking to, you know, the people who are heading up the bar, talking to the, you know, head chef if you ever get the opportunity or the head of head of events and just understanding what good culture is and, yes. and what how to build teams because because if you in the I think if you're in the hospitality industry, if you can understand how to build a team oh and how to build culture, then my word. you're always gonna have it you're always gonna have a job. You know? No, that's so, so true, mate. Very very well said. Mm. Absolutely. I, I just um, was thinking of something just then. Um, I remember very vividly when I was at Coles, it was probably 96 or 97, I, I was having mm. a you know, career chat with my line manager at the time and I said to him, so like, you know, you know, where do I go next with what I'm doing? And I, I even remember the look in his face. He looked at me and said, mate, that's 100% up to you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's about what you want to do, not necessarily what the brand wants you to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, what are you what are you working on at the moment, David? Is there anything you can sort of share with the Open Pantry podcast audience about about what you're working on right now? Yeah, mate, I'm working on a really big project uh, um, around. I can't divulge every scary yep. detail, but um, around. Um, Future trends. So, um, yeah. working on a um, a business model around uh, um, predicting what the future trends in food are going to be. Uh, you know, yeah. sort of two to four years out, and there's a bit of sort of methodology and 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 intel and science behind that. And I just love all that stuff. I mean, if you can predict what's yeah. going to happen and no one knows about it, imagine how good that would be. So, not not, not an enormous <laughs> amount of work being done in that area. A lot of people talking about what the trends are now. But you don't hear yep. a lot about what's coming. So that, and then look, I'm working with a um, couple of uh, three or four key brands from last year, a few functional drink um, brands, and uh, I've been working with a pie company for two or three years now. Uh, yep. Very big pie company based up in Townsville. Um, nice. We've also, I should say, last year ran a couple of events where we invite food and beverage entrepreneurs to come along. Um, we have a bit of a panel, have a very, very low-key, casual fireside chat with some um, very successful brands like uh, H2 Coco, David from H2 Coco, Coconut Water, for example, um, yep. and Matt, Matt from uh, Health Lab, the little uh, protein balls. and and Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yep. yeah. And we did one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, very popular. So, Hope to do uh, some of those, and I, I get to a lot of food shows. So I'm going to be in Dubai next month in uh, middle of middle of February, and um, amazing. Um, check out what's going on there, and I do want to go to LA in March for a big uh, Expo West on the West Coast, mm-hmm. which is where you know the sort of, of trends actually uh, begin. Um, yes, but yeah, and um, you know, I do some do some mentoring, and um, you know, I'm involved in a couple of startup. Uh, startup businesses as well that haven't started yet, which is great. So you sort of you get you get in and help before they start. So yeah. yeah, enjoy that for sure. Is it is it hard with the food trend part? Because obviously, I imagine you're probably looking a lot with um, with data analytics, which I think the industry is way behind in data analytics forecasting. Understand where trends are. They're letting uh, they're letting delivery platforms, for example, really really use that data. Um, is that is that is that what you guys are using most to to figure out what those trends could future be? Because I think 
a lot of the time people people who were advising on that was on gut feel and what they'd seen before. So that's why we're seeing, you know, things of recreation of 15 and 20 years ago all, a lot of the time. Yeah. Like is, is, is that how you sort of understanding a food trend, if I can ask? Yeah, there's, there's sort of no concrete science. I think the answer is um, multiple data sources and multiple information sources overlaid yeah. with what's happening right now. And then yes. I guess with industry experience and knowledge and intuition to say, well, all these products and brands that are emerging now, what consumer need are they actually fulfilling? And then totally. based on that saying, well, the probability of this coming next is medium to high. And that's, yes. that's I guess, the line of thinking, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, David, thank you so much for having a chat with me today. I've really appreciated it. I know that everyone listening would have uh, definitely learned a lot and potentially, um, you know, definitely want to reach out for your services. So please do. what's the best way that people can uh, look into what you're about and also contact no, you? No, please do. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, David J. Burns, and my website is uh, djbfoodgroup.com. And i um, happy to chat to anyone anytime. If you need a bit of help or you want to have a, just a casual chat or you're just totally lost, just uh, sing out and uh, we can fix all of the above. <laughs> Fantastic, David. Thank you so much for time. Uh, all those links are going to be in the bio of this podcast so people can easily find them and connect with you. So thanks so much for spending some time with me tonight. No, I appreciate it and uh, talk to you soon, Sean. Thank you. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Uh, if you're thinking about changing your career in the hospitality industry, that interview with David and I, I think, would really have given you some value. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, make sure you reach out to me on Instagram at, uh, at my Instagram feed on Open Patrick Consulting. And uh, let me know what you think. Until next time, take care.